Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 31. Glad you could join us. In today's episode, the team is joined by Colby Academic Advisors John and Chris Bates. The Bates bring a wealth of experience to Colby, experience that spawns the kind of creativity that is born out of overcoming challenges while displaying true grit and dedication to the task at hand. We hope that you'll be as inspired by hearing from them as we were while recording. Enjoy. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, Colby homeschooling mom, liturgical musician, podcast fanatic, heavy library user, and Colby parent ambassador. I have two lads and two lasses. The youngest is in fifth grade, the eldest is in 10th, and this is our fourth year homeschooling with Colby. And I'm Hope, Bonnie's younger sister and a Colby alumna in a phase of life after being a student, but before becoming a parent. I studied communication theory and philosophy in college, then I went to law school. Now I'm an attorney, an avid home cook, and the fun aunt to Bonnie's kids. And I'm Jordan. After slipping through a thousand cracks, I completed a PhD in history and literature of ancient Christianity at Göttingen University in Germany. Now I teach Greek and Latin at Colby and serve as the Director of Public and Alumni Relations. Today we're happy to welcome two new members of the advising staff at Colby, John and Chris Bates. Welcome to the Colby cast. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. We've been looking forward to visiting with you guys, hearing about your new roles as Colby Advisors, how that's going this year. We also understand you to be a homeschooling family and military homeschooling family at that. And I'm very curious to hear what this is like. There's also a small matter of hearing a little bit more of the backstory of this COVID Christmas story that we're very interested to hear about. (laughs) We enjoyed that very much at Christmas time and would love to hear any behind the scenes chatter you'd like to offer on that front. So with all that in mind, Would you tell us a bit about yourselves and your family? Sure. Thank you so much for having us. My name is John Bates. I grew up in southern Alabama in Florida, Panhandle, and I joined the Army around 1996, and I had been in it ever since uh, until just this last year when I joined Colby as an advisor. So I'm from Florida, and Chris? I'm from Oregon. Born and raised down in Southern Oregon, back when it was still rural. And uh, I, after uh, my undergrad, having a few different jobs, owning my own business, joined the Army, which led me to, eventually led me to Germany, where I met John. And we were stationed in the same unit, ended up deploying together. Friendship uh, blossomed into marriage. And I got out, and John continued to serve. Yeah, we decided early on in our relationship that we wanted to start a family, but felt like the Army and military life in general was hard to have two full-time working parents in. It's possible, but it's very difficult to do it and do it right. So we made the decision for one of us to continue to to serve and the other to serve as a uh, full-time mom. So right now we have four kids. Our oldest is 12. And our youngest is about to turn six. And we also have our 16-year-old, my 16-year-old niece. So we have have five school-age girls in the house. And the talking doesn't stop. (laughs) I was wondering, I was thinking about my own two girls who are 10 and 12. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to multiply that. And and I have somewhat of an idea of that. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm going to have to uh, get some tips from you guys. I, I have four daughters, but the oldest one's 11. And so I'm just wondering what it's going to look like down the road. Uh, invest in a good pair of headphones, maybe even some earmuffs, so you can drown out the noise. There you go, yeah. So when you first started homeschooling your children, where were you stationed? We're still in southeast Virginia, which was my last duty station. I was I left the uh, service at Fort Eustis, Virginia, which is the Hampton Roads area. Uh, I retired in November, uh, so effectively our family retired in November, and we decided to stay in the area while we figured out our next steps. When when service members retire, they have three things that they need to figure out. What do you want to do? How much do you want to make? And where do you want to do it at? And we figured that sticking around in the same area would make one of those variables a constant. So we could figure out what we wanted to do and how much we wanted to make. And then that's the point where we found Colby. Our homeschooling journey began in uh, D.C. So John took a, uh, a fellowship position in Crystal City. So we were plopped down smack dab in the middle of D.C. Uh, this was after the school lottery had ended and just out of necessity thought, oh, wow, what are we going to do for schooling? And after searching all of our homeschool options, talking to every homeschooling family I knew, including um, a sister-in-law that uh, my brother and sister-in-law, they homeschooled their eight, um, ranging from years, 24 years old to one, I found Colby. And absolutely loved everything about it, loved the curriculum, um, loved the, uh, the faith aspect to it. And we just dove in uh, feet first in the, in the middle of D.C. And it was such a beautiful experience. Uh, even as we moved around, I didn't want to stop. So. And we had, a, uh, we had the benefit of having a very strong co-op on the base where we lived and that helped lead us down the homeschooling route as well. Uh, in the small military installation we were on, uh, there were 80 plus families, families, most of them, multiple children uh, were homeschooling and within like two neighborhoods. And so we had, I ran a uh, PE program, a hiking program. They had uh, group art classes, uh, language classes. It was so much fun. And I even found another Colby family to uh, hang out with. And it was such an amazing start. That sounds ideal for your situation. Is it pretty common for military families to homeschool, or is it at least not unusual, would you say? I would say it's not unusual. Uh, it's not widespread, but it's not uncommon to find a few families in the neighborhood that do homeschool. Our last duty station that we ended with, Fort Eustis, we had very few homeschool families on on that installation, maybe four. So, you know, not lack of opportunities for a homeschool group to get together, but it, it was still out there. What you normally find with the military installations is uh, a robust military school. So wherever we, wherever we moved, there was normally at least an elementary school that catered towards the military children. So with homeschooling, does that add a layer of complexity to what is already probably very complex, moving from place to place, figuring out what their laws and regulations are wherever you're moving to? 
I think the flexibility of being a homeschool family is is ideal for military because we were constantly up and moving. Our 12-year-old, we are living in her 12th home. And same with our, our six-year-old. This is our all our almost six-year-old. I believe this is her sixth home. So um, that this is absolutely ideal for us because we can just pick up our education wherever we need to. We're not tied down to the school year. And um, we can modify and, and work our homeschool schedule uh, around with wherever the Army took us. I think that homeschooling is a fantastic opportunity for service members and their families. Uh, in a lot of places that we are asked to go, you don't exactly get an opportunity to select where you live or what school district or what brick and mortar school is available to you. Uh, so in places like DC, where there's very short opportunities to find the right school that fits your family or in, in other places like Maxwell Air Force Base, where there's very limited quality schools, Homeschooling becomes a very viable option, and unfortunately, homeschooling has a bias against it where it has this negative connotation to those who are inside the circle. So if we were to make the right policies, or if the government or whoever needs to make the right policies to see homeschooling as a legitimate alternative, then it would definitely impact, for the better, our service members and their families' well-being and their education. Sure, there's that element of consistency there that has to be helpful, I would think. Is there a typical day at your house? <laughs> really? Probably not. That seems to be the typical answer. What's a typical day? What is that? <laughs> but Exactly. I, I don't know. Um, I, <laughs> it almost feels like Groundhog's Day. <laughs> uh, we've got Bill Murray in the background um, <laughs> searching for that groundhog. But a typical day for us is just like any other homeschool family. You wake up, you eat your breakfast, you say your prayers, and you get working on the and you get working on the grind. Um, for us as a family, now that we're both working remotely for uh, for Colby, we start and we almost um, we don't quite go our separate ways in the morning. But John has his workspace. We have our chaotic homeschool room, and we just we we dive dive in in the morning and get through as much as we can. Uh, when it's time, when they've had enough of me, <laughs> then we, we kind of reel it in a little bit, take a break. I log in, I start getting some work done. They work independently as much as they can come to, uh, either John or I with any questions and clarifications on their schoolwork. And, um, then I take, once I am off work, get back to homeschooling then john john his uh, he's working full-time he has the rest of the day he's he's online sometimes our, our days go into like eight nine o'clock at night sometimes they're done by noon so no typical day most of the time <laughs> understandable given the array of what you have going on do you have any favorite or least favorite experiences you've had while homeschooling any particularly memorable ones that you'd be up for sharing with us like I mentioned, with the uh, when we started homeschooling in D.C., we had so many amazing opportunities. Yes, we were in the middle of a, a big city, and we are most definitely country folk at heart. So living in a city was difficult. But in the center of D.C., there's Rock Creek Park. So I, on light school days, we would pack up a lunch, we'd throw all of our book bags in a bag, and go sit on a rock in the middle of the river in Rock Creek Park and do our schoolwork. Or I'd say, hey, 
you know, it's a nice day out. We'd go do our schoolwork in the back of the Lincoln Memorial and take a walk around the monuments. Uh, they have so many amazing opportunities with all the Smithsonian museums. So we might do uh, a scavenger hunt through the museums. So that part of the flexibility of homeschool combined with the opportunity of where we were living just was very ideal. I know I couldn't have, have done it for long, but it was perfect for that year. When I was a kid, I always wanted to like live in the movie National Treasure with getting to go to all the monuments and like sitting on the steps, planning things out. And it sounds like you got to experience that for a little while. That's something I've found in talking with um, a lot of families and in my own experience being homeschooled was making the most of where you are. And sometimes you're in a place where it doesn't seem like you have you don't have a Smithsonian or, or Rock Creek Park or something like that to enjoy. But there there are things that um, people out there find that you can you can sort of take advantage of what is actually in your area and make use of it. Local history is, is something I, I really think is great. No matter where you are, every place has a history. Right now, we live right down the road from Yorktown Battlefield. And I believe last year we took took the girls out to the Yorktown battlefield and let them walk the field and, and see the museum. Yep. Right down the road from Williamsburg and Jamestown as well. Yeah. This just sounds amazing. Are there things you have made a habit in your homeschool doings, the carrying out of your homeschool proceedings or next? Have you tried things and tossed them out? Like, Nope, that does not work. Hmm. Chris, well, I think, uh, Go ahead. Well, I think that you made a habit out of your routine trips to the gym during lunchtime. And the girls are starting to take a liking to it as well. So the physical activity at the midpoint there in a day. Yeah, so um, one habit for my own mental health, I started exercising again. Um, I've uh, always, my entire life, uh, fitness has been a huge part of my life. And then uh, let it slip for a little while and um, everything gets busy with the homeschooling and you forget you need to take that little bit of time for yourself. So I've ensured I'm able to carve out a little piece of the day and bring the kids along with me so they can, in fact, they exercise on the side of the gym and the little kids waiting area while, while they watch me and doing what I'm doing. But it's necessary to try to find that little piece of your life that brings you your self-consistency where you can kind of clear your head. And for me, that just is getting to the gym. Several episodes recently have mentioned how important it is to have the, the physical activity and things like that to balance, yeah. out, <laughs> to balance out all of the rich intellectual work that we're doing, to have that physical component to the work as well. And definitely um, modeling healthy habits for your girls. Yes, they love it. What was it like to add on helping advise other families while doing your homeschooling as well? Um, well, I'd like to also give John an opportunity to jump in on this, but for homeschooling and transitioning into um, into this ro role, uh, there were definitely some, some growing pains at home, learning how to manage time. Uh, that just just took um, taking a really good look at our schedule and making realistic choices with um, with our schoolwork and our time. And uh, we eventually found, well, <laughs> whether uh, whether or not we wanted to, we had to make the schedule work. And um, and we did. It, it did take 
a little bit of growth and um, some time management, but we were able to make it work. Uh, we found that getting the school work, the school day done as soon as we can, and then transitioning into the work day worked best for us. It's definitely not easy uh, in, in more than just growing pains. We, we, had to, we had to try many things out and figure out what didn't work as well. And I think the, the key to why we are where we are and how we got here is that we were flexible in our approach and, and with our expectations. It's, it's hard to be a rigid homeschooling family in, in this current environment. You, there, there are too many things that are affecting the stress level of our children and of society at large. You, you can't be too rigid and too, and, and too draconian in your ways. Yeah, that, that's something that's come up quite a bit when we talk uh, to people who are homeschooling is realistic expectations, I guess, is is one of the things. Um, it's sort of like um, people that have, and I, I honestly, I was this way before I had kids. I, I thought when I'd see my older brother with his kids, I'm like, why doesn't he just do this? I, I'd have to bite my tongue to not give advice on what he should be doing. <laughs> and now that I have kids, you know, I'm like, wow, he was doing a really good job. And so you guys, I guess there are people maybe who would have your position at Colby and may not have all that experience. How are you able to draw from your own experience and maybe even alleviate the, some of the worry and the and to say, you know, skip skip some of the exercises or, or whatever, give them more realistic expectations for their kids? Well, realistic expectations is is definitely the key. So with as many kids as we have homeschooling right now, each one of them learns so very differently. And we've had to tailor our expectations for each one of them. Some of them a little uh, on the gifted side that we need to to push and continually um, hold her to a standard, which achieve, but A, she has to try hard to um, to make that standard. And then we also have special needs students. We have one on the spectrum, another with dyslexia, dyscalculia, uh, that we have to modify. And which a lot of families, when they start homeschooling, especially in the midst of a pandemic and maybe don't understand uh, the flexibility that comes with homeschooling, that it is flexible and um, they can modify it to meet their students' needs. And um, it's one of the amazing things that we've learned as a family, uh, how we can pinpoint our students' needs. The value of Colby is it's classical, Catholic, and flexible. And a, a lot of our families that we advise pay less attention to the flexible part. They want something that tells them exactly what to do and when to do it. And our jobs tend to entail a lot of reassuring them that you can you can modify these things. And based on our experience, you almost have to modify these things. Sticking with a 36-week outline is, is great. It tells you what your roadmap looks like. But nobody is going to stick on that road. Very few are going to stay on that road exactly as we've planned. You know, recalculating, recalculating. You need to follow the GPS to an alternate route. That I I want to. I'm sure Bonnie has uh, has some insight there too from her her side of things. Homeschooling. Um, I haven't gone as far with with my own students yet to to really have a good gauge. But one thing that that I know going with what Chris was saying is 
I, I guess it's you have to individualize or customize for each student. So I, I really believe there's as many ways to educate as there are students. And who knows better the the student than the parent? Nobody. Nobody does. I mean, they're they're your own kid. You're the one who knows the best. And so when I was uh, an advisor, that one of the main things that I could offer people was just encouragement. You you can do it. You can do it. You know, there's a lot of the the thing was just reminding them that they can do it. I was homeschooled with with nothing, no no curriculum even, and uh, and and uh, I I mean I I made it through. <laughs> I'm not I'm not the best at math, but I can read and write at least. So you know that's that was the ultimate goal. It was let's let's get to a certain point, but it was kind of different for each one of us. And I think that that uh, parents sometimes worry maybe a little too much. And so um, we should offer that encouragement. On that same point, Jordan, um, you know, I come from Florida, so I have a Florida public school background. One of the things that may be affecting our parents is the government has told them what they're supposed to learn for so long and so often that when it comes time for them to be responsible for their children's learning in this this very serious, very dangerous age that we have where you're at home and you have to take more responsibility than the than in previous years. It's like, what do I do? Like um, that's the state's job or that's my school district's job. You know, I, I have no idea what to do in this matter. But it's also empowering is this we're finding out what we're made of in this day and age and families are finding out wh- where they're lacking. And what better way to express your freedoms than how you teach your children and being in control of what your children learn? Absolutely. I mean, that's that what you're saying. People feel like they've been well, they have been uncoupled from the duty of educating. It's something you just give away. As I've gotten older, I've learned to do more things for myself. And I attribute that even to, to my own homeschool experience. But in the beginning, it was like, oh, the, uh, the the water heater is out. I got I need to call somebody or whatever it is, you know, and eventually I, I think it's a lesson in self-education for adults, too, that you that you can do that. It's, it's almost like we have to just just remind people that they can they can do this. I, I love how you said that, John. It's as though we've we've lost the confidence almost that we can do this. So but you can. You can. It's been going on for decades and decades now. So everyone who's listening to this, you can do it. I know I certainly have benefited immensely from several encouraging conversations with advisors at Colby over the years. I have grown in confidence each year, thanks in no small part to the encouragement of the advisors. Uh, if if I were to advise our, our families, you don't have to be have a master's in education or a master's degree in anything to teach your kids. It it certainly helps, and there's a lot of good that comes with advancing the field of education, but you don't have to in order to teach your kids. You just have to be their partner. You have to be there with them and help them learn on the way. Yeah, that's right. And that reminds me of uh, what what Dr. Esselin was saying. Um, I, I don't think it was in the, the podcast episode, but in his uh, talk at Colby where he was saying – and he, he's a professor since 1987, so he's been training people. And he was saying 
you know, I've seen the, the kind of people who, who get the degrees and you are every bit as qualified to, to educate your, your children as these people. So, I mean, that's his, that's his experience, professional professor opinion, but um, I think it's an important one. He said that in the podcast episode too. Right, that was one of my favorite. No, Chris gave me a sideways glance What's because that? she has a master's in education as well. But she went and pursued that because she was already homeschooling and wanted to make the experience better. But that didn't stop her from beginning homeschooling anyway. Right, and I, I, I would, and then, so I, I should just say too. Um, so I, ha- I have three degrees also. So I, I, I know there's value in in going like that. That's been my thing as well. I, I wanted to keep going in school. But I, I love the quote by John Taylor Gatto. I think I've said it on the podcast before that genius is as common as dirt. And I, I really believe that. I think it's I think it's really, really true that um, sometimes we and I think we often do this is mistake the process for the substance. And a lot of times with education, the uh, especially higher education, the idea is, is about the process, getting there and uh, getting getting your degree rather than the substance that you're getting. And I think that somebody can read and um, have never gone to college, like the founder of Colby Academy, Mrs. Muth, put it, you know, she she doesn't have a college degree, but she's one of the smartest people that I've ever talked to. So so that's, that's all. I just wanted to get that out there. I'm convinced Mrs. Muth and Queen Elizabeth share a spring of immortality, and I hope that it always runs clear she's amazing. Speaking of the Colby group, can you tell us more about that Christmas video? Oh, that was, that was John's baby for sure. I'll let John tell you about that one. So the story behind that video, you know, we're all new to, to the inner workings of, of Colby Academy. And Chris and I had never been part of the staff side of things. Colby does so many great things and so many nice nice to do things you know we we had a great onboarding we have fun advent concert they they do a lot of things that instill community so when whenever it came to us and said hey we're going to do something for the advent concert you know what ideas might you have and you know that challenge coupled with 25 years of military grit and sarcasm spawned the idea that perhaps you know, what What does Santa Claus in, in the North Pole look like during the pandemic? And j- just with that single idea, we we just ran with it. You know, I, I kind of had in mind something similar to a Saturday Night Live skit. I only wish that it was shorter so that it could have been played live during the concert. But Saturday Night Live meets Santa in the pandemic, you know, couldn't, couldn't go off any better than that. We only had one or two rehearsals. It was all written script and lots of ga- uh, props and gags on our on on the Bates family end. Those were my favorite part. It was certainly a lot of fun to watch. It looked like you all had a lot of fun putting it together and performing it. It was great to see several of the new advisors. It was certainly clever and and creative. Necessity is the mother of invention, and and that's what came out. <laughs> It worked out well. It's still up on YouTube. We'll link to it in our show notes for for listeners who didn't get the opportunity to see it at Christmas time. It's it's a lot of fun. 
We understand you have started some fun clubs for the elementary school. Yes, so um, we just started up the new uh, Home Economics and Fitness Friends Club, and uh, it's been great. I think these kids are just so thrilled to be able to meet outside of a purely academic classroom type situation. You guys were baking something recently. We ended up making snickerdoodles, and it was amazing. I can't believe that we were able to pull it off live, but and it took an entire hour. As some of the students made chocolate chip cookies, and the, uh, everyone else made snickerdoodles. I sent out some uh, the ingredients and the instructions ahead of time, and parents did so. They, I, I couldn't have been uh, more impressed that everyone was prepared. They even had their butter softened which I didn't do. <laughs> so I was like feeding the butter, butter into the sugar, but we, um, we pulled it off. Everyone got, uh, had their cookies. In fact, we, um, a couple of our Colby Academy, uh, staff had some of their students in the class too, and got to enjoy eating some of those cookies. So that was great. And then, um, fitness friends, some of them are really looking forward to strength and conditioning and some are, are not so thrilled, but we're going to have fun. Snickerdoodles and strength training. That balance. Perfect. <laughs> I, I think Chris has a, a good appreciation for how hyperactive a lot of the uh, online students are. If you watch the chat box and how excited they are to, to get their words in and interact socially in an environment that Chris helped create, it was it was something of amazement. The benefits and the challenges of the chat box. I think you're, there's a lot of good that comes from it, a lot of camaraderie and, and conversation that happens. And here's a safe space to learn how we conduct ourselves online. I know, it, I know it's not without its challenges and there are lessons to be learned there, but better now than later. This is usually around the time when we ask if there are any topics that haven't come up yet that you think would be good to talk about or things that you want to share or anything like that. Uh, it, if I were to offer a, a parting shot for our families listening out there is that embrace how unique your families are and make Colby Academy work for you. Colby Academy will provide you course plans, will provide you a, a way and a means to educate your children. And it's up to you to modify that and to to make it work for your family. Um, everybody's dealing with a lot of hardships and uh, a lot of the particulars of our current environment. So you're not alone. So everybody all around the country and in, in other parts of the world are trying to figure it out for the, for their families. Colby will help you get there. Just make it work for your family. I think uh, like we were, uh, what we touched on earlier uh, about the encouragement for some of these families, uh, I think that really is very, very crucial, uh, especially this past year. There's a lot of families that um, at this time of year, we're seeing it, especially we can see it, um, hear it in the voices of the parents that are calling in uh, to talk to the advisors. We can see it in the chats that uh, a lot of families are, are feeling that winter struggle that most everyone feels. It's that it's that slump after Christmas time. Uh, you're right in the middle of the school year. Things are still grinding on and people are finding that uh, that difficulty and wondering, can I do this? Is this, did I make the right decision? What am I doing? Am I messing up my kid? And, and the answer is everything will be fine. It's the nature of the school year. And uh, we can, we are all absolutely capable of educating our students and our children. And who has the, the most vested interest of our, of our students' education than the parents themselves? So um, 
for those that are out there that are struggling, that are second guessing themselves, I would say uh, have faith in your ability to um, to understand what your student needs and have the charity to take a step back and give your students a little a little space to uh, explore their education, uh, a little space to to both struggle and to achieve because your students students shouldn't be expected to get straight A's on everything. School shouldn't be easy. It shouldn't be easy. It shouldn't be too easy. It shouldn't be too hard. So go easy on yourself. Go easy on your students and make this um, make this an enjoyable opportunity because we can you, you can do it. God gave us children um, for a reason and we must take that as a gift and, and trust that uh, he's given us all the tools to to help our children succeed. Yes, that's very affirming. We just did a whole episode on this season, this winter season, we called it the February stare down. And we were looking for suggestions for how to make the best of it. And this fits right in. So that pairs quite nicely. Thank you. That's Thank uh, you. that encouragement is, is very welcome and appreciated. The, the wintertime experience certainly is one to give us ample opportunity to recognize that the people in our families were placed in our midst. Each of us has a role to play in the other's uh, sanctification. So this is we get an up close and personal experience of that as homeschooling families trying to find the funny in whatever, whenever you can, not taking everything so seriously, I think is equally as important as, as recognizing the high-minded goal we have at the same time, the practicality of the humor being an, an essential ingredient is right up there too. Well, it's been really fun visiting with you both. Thank you so much for your service and your time with us today. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Kolbe, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam. 